Kuya's Logs, September 28th. Yeah, first time that I got that right on the first go. Alright, so uh, I actually recorded um, an episode yesterday. Um, I usually record on a Sunday. Um, I recorded the episode on uh, yesterday and two things happened. One is I I drank my sleeping meds. Uh, my my sleeping pills a little bit too early, so like halfway through the thing, I was like, uh, rambling on and on, and then just uh, and then eventually it just led me to like sleeping. Um, I didn't sleep on the desk, but you know I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm too tired. I'm gonna just save the audio and then I'm gonna connect it the next day. So, I went in right now and I looked at the uh, I looked at the audio. I listened to it because you know. Um, I, I can barely remember what I talked about yesterday. And I saw, like, somewhere in the end of it, the uh, the mic sounded, like, a little bit too staticky. Like, there was something, there was a problem, I guess, with the connection. So, I'm just like, hey, fuck it. I'm going to redo everything, right? Because, <laughs> cause, I don't know. I don't remember what I talked about yesterday. Because, again, yeah, I... I lesson, of the, the lesson of there is not to take the sleeping pills before I record... Uh, the podcast so yeah i guess i guess one of the things that i remember talking about yesterday was uh just this question right because an old friend uh messaged me yesterday oh uh, no no i think it was saturday and then she was all like you know i'm scared or like she she was basically like freaking out because of the the whole covid thing like the the natural the one of the the things that we found out you know is like early on and just uh working from home as much and not not going out as much is like there's there's like a lot of room to be introspective because you're stuck with yourself uh the whole day and not really doing anything you know um i mean you are working but you know after that right usually you would hang out with someone you would go and whatever but just the the act of being in one place at a specific time really gets you think about yourself uh a whole lot and then she just fucking you know she was complaining about stress and whatever and then i'm gonna leave it at that for like uh the specific you know because i don't want to get into specifics but one thing that i would like to share with you guys and one of the things that uh, i would like um i remember from from that conversation was her basically going is like how do you do that how do you just shut off everything and and turn off into a worry and and you know truth be told i am a guy with high anxiety and i would like to think of myself as like my brain is working like 120 percent of the time you know it's just moving things and and thinking of things and, and stuff like that and how do you shut off the noise so to say and then i told her i basically asked her three questions and you know you could answer along if you want to but I'll, you know i'll tell her what i told i'll tell you what i told her is basically you don't have to give me an answer now you don't have to think about it now but it is something to think about and if you have to write it then write it you know um basically the first question is you know minus the minus the the pandemic or the the covid that's happening who would you like example for like um right now if if suddenly an earthquake would hit right or like what if a global pandemic would start pandemic pandemic could start um yeah so like if a, if an earthquake hit right 
um, after that shock or whatever, who would you be worried about? Who would be the first people that would pop up into your head that you would start to contact, seeing if they're okay or if they're all right? Right? Who would be those people for you? Um, and then, yeah, just fucking list that out. And then the next thing is, again, minus the COVID, what would you be rather be doing? What would you rather be doing right now? You know, what would be what would you enjoy doing right now? And then the last question is, if you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you want, not need, but want to improve on? And those are the three questions. All right. So let me let me fucking break it down. Uh, why those three questions would be important. Right. So uh, something happened to me. Uh, I think I, I may have talked about it in, in previous episodes, but something happened to me that kind of got me to like shut everything off and just focus on what i need to do right so um i started thinking how when in when in an emergency situation and by emergency i mean like life or death or you know something important and especially in a in a situation where you can't control everything right so you tend to just give 100 percent on what you have to do um, and I started thinking, why can you do that in an emergency situation when, when the stakes are high and, and everything, you know, everything's laid out into the table? Why can you, how, why or how can you shut off everything and just focus on the task at hand in an emergency situation, but not in a normal situation? You know, do, do you need the adrenaline, the, the the pressure, you know, just to be able to do that? And then I started thinking, you know, so what made it, what made those situations, that particular type of situation a, make me focus on what needs to be done? You know, and, and I'm thinking it's like because the failure rate or the, the risk of, not risk, the impact of failure is really high compared to like a normal day, right? Um. Yeah, and and that's about it. And I'm like, so why would I not to fail? Because it involves particularly, you know, my family, or my 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 dad specifically, right? And and yeah, that's when I started thinking into it. It's like, so plain in point, it's like you have to find things of value to you. You have to find the things you value or the people you value. Sorry, I, I had the burp. Um, you have to find the people you value. Um, you know, for... Sorry, I was, I was fucking lost in thought there. Um, yeah, so you have to find uh, the people you value. Because once you find that, or rather the things you value, doesn't have to be people, right? It could be like an action. It could be like a place or or your job or you know something abstract like that but you, once you find the things that you value then it is easier to shut off the noise because from then on you have a comparison you you can compare uh the value of the thing you're worried about versus the things that you actually value you took the time to to single out right so an, an example would be you know I live in the Philippines and one of the hot stuff <laughs> Hot topic issues right now is like they're building like this 
uh, faux beach, white sand beach in, in Manila Bay. And they're using like um, shady dolomite or, or crushed mountainside minerals that kind of looks like white sand. And then using that, you know, to to create the fake beach for nothing other than, you know, hey, we're cleaning up, quote unquote, Manila Bay. So, you know, does it give me stress that they're doing that? Of course. Of course, right? If if I can, if I can, you know, if I had the power, I would fucking end it in, in, a, in a snap, right? Like just the sheer stupidity or whatever. Um, or greed or, or whatever but you know I'm, I, I don't want to get too political here so so does it piss me off yes yes it fucking piss me off can I do something about it actually n- not much so what can I do to change it again you could vote right vote you know for for better people next time because you voted those people who were there to make that decision so you can vote again you know, in, in the next election. Cool. Can I vote now? No. All right. Well, then I'll worry it about then. I'll worry I'll worry about it when I get to vote. So it, it it's stuff like that, right? I mean, it, it affects you, but it doesn't nearly as affects you as one of the things that you value. So um, example, you know, just something simple, right? Someone Someone said something shitty at you. And, you know, would you... Of course, of course, you know, you can never take away the 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 emotional feelings, right, that that you would feel and those are perfectly fine, but if you spend like a day worrying about it, then it would be like a a, a little bit of a red flag there. So you just compare it, right? You just compare, is it is it really worth it getting pissed about this one thing, you know, when when you should be focused about on a lot of things and just finding those things of value to you. Um, yeah, like what I said before, it's just, it gives you that comparative point, right? Like, should I really be worried about this right now? Does it affect me or anything else of value? Uh, I value. And then, so that's the first question, right? And then the second question is, um, so you, you find the things of value and the only rule that I would have there is, um, it has to include you yourself you have to include yourself in those values because we're it's it's so easy right it it's so easy to get lost in in the thing that you like but you tend to forget that you know you or or in the things that you love right but you you people tend to forget that you have to love yourself as well and they think that by you know making example right what makes you happy makes me happy it it yeah it works but sometimes you just have to make just yourself happy, right? And yeah, it has to include you. That's why I asked the second question, which is if you were, yeah, if you were, if you could do anything right now, what would that be? Because it was, it's more about, especially, especially right now with like um, work from home, thinking people thinking like, oh, I have more time because I don't have to commute and stuff like that. But really, um, what I see, the trend is it's going the other way. Instead of like having that clear-cut divide of like, okay, I work in the workplace, my work stays in the workplace. But now since your home is your workplace, uh, it bleeds over, right? So you, you tend to do more work at home because you're already there, right? So um, what was my point? All right, so the point is uh, never undercut the value of rest. And when I mean rest, not physical rest, mental rest. 
because you could be like sleeping but still thinking about your work right and and that works by setting you know the time differences so like one once it's uh seven or eight cut that shit you know cut that shit off and 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 you don't have to be religious in your observance of like okay once it's seven no more work but it also puts it into perspective when you do work beyond your normal limit right because right now you're thinking we're we're yeah there's this great um piece of knowledge that i learned by reading this uh this uh not reading i'm sorry but um listening to this uh interview and then he said um because he was talking about uh, uh time management right um and then he said it's like if you want shit done put time on it because usually especially when it's like unscheduled things or like what we need to do or like personal passion projects and then stuff like that we usually go by feelings we usually go by like getting the emotional value of it meaning like i want to do this i want to work out because it makes me feel good helps me lose weight and stuff like that um you know and 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 then the 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 catalyst for for doing it you know i'm going to work out tomorrow early morning it's it's just that right and and the usual uh reasons for for doing it is also because again you know you you take the the things you take you take what's valuable from it such as you know the weight loss and then feeling good and then when you you're essentially saying to yourself, it's like, I'm going to do it because if I don't, then I'll feel fat and shitty, right? And then you're using emotional, uh, you're, you're putting uh, emotional and fulfillment values to that action, which is, okay, fine. It, 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 serves you, um, it serves you the motivation to do it, but if you don't do it, then it just it becomes a double-edged sword, right? So if you don't do it, then suddenly it becomes like, Oh shit! I didn't do it. You know, I'm so I'm so fucking you know busy and and whatever and and shit like that. And he categorized two people who, when they don't follow through with their plans, um, he categorized them as blamers and shamers. And blamers, you know, those are the people that go like, I wasn't able to do this because uh, mom made me do this or like uh, we had a plan to do this. You know, I could have been able to do this, but you know, it's just that. Uh, the internet was slow. They're blaming external forces, right? Whereas shamers would be like, "Ah, oh, shit! Why didn't I do this? You know, it was so fucking, it was so fucking. You know, why did I let myself become busy this way? Or like, you know, damn, you know, you, it didn't. Uh, you know, here you go again. This is you again, just not doing shit again. You know, you're you're so fucking lazy, right? So then people who tend to blame themselves and and they're both wrong, and because. They tend to do that because, again, they put emotional value to the action or, like, um, you know, uh, something abstract to do their action. Whether it's be, again, I, I'm saying value a lot now, but either <laughs> it's, like, the emotional or, like, um, the reasoning behind, right? That's usually their catalyst. So what he said, if you want something done, put a time on it. If you want something done, put, like, a definite time on it. Um, don't just say this morning, say 9 a.m. Don't just say tomorrow, say 3 p.m. You know, and then schedule it. Because when you do that, and when you, you know, if you do it, if you get if you get successful, awesome, right? But if you don't do it, then suddenly, 
um, the reasons for not doing it start become apparent. Like if you were too busy on that time, easy. Fucking schedule it another time. If like it was too close to dinner, so you like you have to cook or whatever, then easy. Fucking either plan it um, before or after dinner, right? And and now it becomes a little bit more objective and a little bit more concrete, and thus uh, making you not blame or shame uh, yourself or anything of external value. So so yeah, if you want something done, fucking use the time to get it, and and. Yeah, that goes with that goes with to go to circle back, right? That goes with resting as well. So if it's not time to work, then it's not time to work. If I can take a break, you know, listen to music, watch a movie or, or something like that. And and before you start thinking to yourself, like I'm busy all day, like what time for rest are you thinking about? You know, just because you're an unemployed bum, fuck you. Not nah, <laughs> I am an unemployed bum, but Anyway, so like, no, I don't believe that you don't have time for rests, right? Because you, there are formal times of rests that you are taking for granted by not resting, you know, by, by doing something in, in, in the side. Examples, the times you eat, you know, dinner, breakfast, lunch, you know, you're, you're looking at your phone, scanning emails, means uh, sometimes you're, you're going through meetings while eating, you know, if you can avoid those, then eating becomes a moment of rest for you, for you. Which it should be because you're you're taking in sustenance, right? You're you're whatever. Um, so there's one, and then the other one is you know the time you sleep and when you wake up. You know, uh, the, before you sleep, that's the time where you have to prep for sleep. You know, you're you're winding down your day. Sometimes you're still thinking about work. You're doing work. Sometimes you're still making calls and stuff like that. So stop it. You know, just stop it. Get some help, <laughs> Michael Jordan. But uh, yeah, so. So there, just, you know, if you can't sit out, if you can't allot time for, for actual rest, then just make do with whatever you do have, you know, whatever time you do have for rest. Um, and if you're not, then maybe it's time to put your foot down, right? Because again, you know, no one is built for going 100% every time, right? Unless you're fucking obsessed. Or like one of those weirdos. But yeah. So so never undercut the value of rest. And it doesn't mean, you know, not doing shit. Resting doesn't mean sleeping or taking a nap. Resting could also fucking mean um doing the thing you like. Like example for me, I like brewing coffee. So I take my time brewing coffee. When I when I taste the coffee, I would yeah, I would uh, make notes of the differences. I like playing video games. I like talking about video games. So, whenever I do get those moments of of yeah of, of just playing a game and stuff like that, although there is a special case for me because again I am an unemployed bum, right? So yeah, what I'm trying to say is like when it's time for, to do shit you like, then just keep it there. You know, don't don't undercut it by by do by worrying about other stuff. It will happen. And yeah, I don't want to fucking talk about mindfulness meditation too much because I think I talked about it before. But essentially, it also puts me in a mindset, you know, just sitting there and essentially doing nothing, right? But meditating for 15 minutes. It also subconsciously tells me that I could do nothing for 15 minutes and the world wouldn't blow up, right? You could you could essentially just sit down, do nothing, listen to your own thoughts for like 10 to 15 minutes and you notice it's like hey the world isn't blowing up people aren't calling me every you know every second 
telling me like, oh shit, you should have done this or else, you know, uh, I'm choking, I'm dying. You need to give me the Heimlich maneuver or something like that. So yeah, it, it also puts things into perspective that I do not need to be on everything on 100% of the time, right? Um, and then the last question would be, yeah, if you need to look at your something and uh, at yourself as something that needs to be improved. And for me, for me, <laughs> for me, it was it was uh, my body. It was weight, you know, because I have gout and uh, I have to watch my weight as well. Um, my, my dad and my mom are both diabetic and I found out that it was genetic. So, you know, I'm going to get that sooner or later. So for me, it was my body. So I, I you know, I, I think I talked about it last week. Like I, I fucking worked out almost every day. Actually, no, every day. So, yeah, because again, for me, that was like, um, that was easy for me to see, you know, when you, once you start losing weight, once you start seeing your body, you start feeling good and then you get more energy. Um, but yeah, so it started for me, it, it, that was my moment of improvement, but for you, it could be different, right? If you like to draw, then draw, but draw for the specific per- reason, you know, put it into context as well as. Or put it in your mind that you want to improve drawing or you want this particular habit to, or hobby um, to get better at. You know, it could be that. It could be, um, again, I, I talked about making coffee. So, yeah, just learning and then getting uh, better with the technique. I actually ordered a fucking mocha pot because one of my, uh, uh, my, my, my sister's boyfriend gave me espresso beans for my birthday. And I kind of want to make try to get to the art of it. And as well as uh, I wanted to buy like a kettle, I think probably electric because it's easier. But I, I would I would fucking settle for like a normal pot so that I could, you know, make the the foam milk or the frothy milk. Because um, if I do make espresso, then it'll be just one of those shot like things that you just down and then gives you like an instant boost of energy. But uh, yeah, so I ordered that. Um, but yeah, you know, just to finish my thought, then for you, it could be anything, right? Um, just it has to be something to improve. Why is that? Because, um, improvement, like practice, you know, and and practicing and and, and whatever, just doing every day. It is a it is a daily thing, you know, or or, or rather, it is it it needs to be a consistent thing. It doesn't have to be daily, but you need to do it in at a consistent pace. Like for working out, if you're working out three times a week, then you should be working out those three days a week. Right, you should um, follow that uh, routine. But suddenly you miss it, then you know something's fucked up, right? Jesus, what is happening to me? So yeah, so it has to be something consistent, so that even if you do get better, um, little by little, it is still something, right? Like it doesn't matter if you you don't have to reach the next level quickly, you know. But um, you have to understand, like, getting a little bit better also helps, right? Because point one is still bigger than zero, right? So if you spend point one, you know, for, for like, 10 days, I guess, or probably more than that, I, I, I don't know, fucking 90 days or whatever, you know, just 3.1 or 0.3 is still bigger than zero. So that, that was the fucking point. <laughs> So yeah, so you will get better, 
even if it's just not as quickly. And and you need those little victories because it, it feeds into your ego. You know, people think that you have to be fucking humble. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, ego ego is there for you. Right? Ego is there for you to, to have some self you know, so you can see yourself as something of of substance, right? So you you're not just sulking every time and comparing yourself to other people, right? And and that is also one of the reasons why I fucking shut off my Facebook. I mean, I didn't shut it off because people contact me there, but rather, like, I don't look at it for, like, posts or, or news anymore. Um, yeah, I I just fucking get my news from my friends. Like, they would tell me, like, hey, did you know this happened to them? Like, oh, shit. And then that was the end of that. <laughs> rather than just fucking looking at everything from your news feed is fucking depressing when when you get the news nowadays plus you know looking at all your friends doing doing cool shit and then you're just fucking your room just you know it gives you again it, it makes you compare yourselves to others and you know that age-old saying it's like yeah life is a race but we don't necessarily start at the same starting line you know so that has been your your weekly mental health tips <laughs> I think I've been going on and on about that, but yeah, dude, like what I said before uh, at the start of this recording is like, yeah, fucking COVID just gave you like this moment of 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 introspectiveness, right, or or whatever the term is. It just makes you look at yourself and makes you face yourself, unlike any, you know anything before that, um, and yeah. Uh, thank God I fucking got into that psychiatrist, right? No, I mean I didn't get into her, right? But you know, I I I had that session with the psychiatrist. So, uh, yeah. Oh shit! I forgot to to set an appointment. I was supposed I was supposed to set an appointment on uh uh oh, for October. You know what? I'll I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow at 8 a.m. <laughs> Just so I fucking follow my own shit. Right? So, um, yeah. I, what have I been doing this week? Oh, I watched Eric Andre. I started watching uh, Eric Andre on, on Adult Swim because uh, I've been watching YouTube clips about it. But then I just realized it's like, oh, shit, these are actual episodes, right? So I fucking finally got into that. And yeah, it is fucking funny. Like I, I watched the Rick Fox episode. They just Rick Fox comes out for like a second, and then Eric tries to dunk or like make a make a layup over him, and then Eric and Rick Fox just fucking blocks it and doesn't even jump. Just fucking whiffs the ball and be like, "The fuck you doing, man?" And I'm like, "What shit?" Yeah, it's just fucking absurd. And and I don't know. Maybe it's the way that whole thing is shot with like uh. Dude, that that was the thing that fucking surprised me. It was still shot in four by three. It wasn't shot in like sixteen by nine. You know how everything is all like the widescreen nowadays. Um, it's still shot in four by three, and I'm like thinking, how how long was this, um, series for it to be shot four by three, and and just looking at the the camera um, with like it's faded. I think it was an intentional design. Um, yeah, it just. It makes it everything feels like it was a fucking fever dream. And like no concept stays beyond one episode. So that's that's why it's hard to talk to friends about it. Because like, you know, I'm like, 
right now i'm like digging the cat burglar and they were like what is that and then i'm like you know maybe it just shows up in one episode so like if it doesn't sink in you it you'll quickly forget about it um but yeah f- dude's funny man it is also like a, a good comparison for like the then humor and today's humor like i don't first of all i think i'm at that age where i don't get you know today's humor i'm watching like things like churdley's and uh i don't know it's like right now um a lot of things are like super meta they're 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 talking about you know like the whole fuck boy thing and then whatever and they're just they're talking about shit like that and it's still funny yeah but then there was an era where everything just wanted to fucking everything was just fucking absurd like they threw it was all about being random i guess like when you look at early filthy frank and uh yeah even that eric andre um Yo, dude, even even classics, right? Like uh Rainbow Unicorn or uh what was that other series? Um Asadov. The the one with the drawing where they all like trains, bow or like uh shoop the whoop. You know, there were yeah, it was there was a point in like the early two thousands where everything was so fucking random and and it caught you off guard and it was fucking funny and and watching eric andre right now i'm I'm still in like the f- episode five of season one and i'm milking i'm milking that series i'm not gonna burn through four seasons um in like a month I, i'm gonna take my time with that and and the other thing that i'm watching is uh breaking bad and i'm like whoa holy shit because i always knew people have always told me breaking bad was good it was those two series that people just wouldn't shut up about breaking bad and uh maybe breaking bad less so but breaking bad and then game of thrones just people just like fucking wouldn't shut up about it and i'm like hey cool because like i learned early on i guess um maybe it was evident through anime it's like shit can be good but it can also be not within your tastes right so almost immediately i'm like if you tell me something's good i'm like okay fine awesome like I, it it doesn't register to me as a must watch immediately until i get into it and and yeah and i got into it so i got into fucking breaking bad and it is amazing like just fucking brian cranston's acting right just he he Early on, he fucking... Because, okay, fine. The thing that fucking finally convinced me to watch this was because a friend of mine was like, have you avoided spoilers? And I'm like, I may have, but because of, you know, you don't really follow it. It's like you don't have any context, so you quickly forget. But, yeah, the thing that... The only thing I remember watching, and it was actually the thing that convinced me to finally watch the series, was uh that um I Am The Danger scene wherein he was talking to his wife and i'm like jesus that's that's a chef's kiss acting right there and and right now just fucking watching it uh watching the first uh two episodes i'm like he he is fucking relatable as fuck man because i have been you know not necessarily to that level um but i you know we've always have been like in those times when we wanted to lay low right we wanted to lay low because it's not worth it or like the trouble is not worth it but you you really just want to fucking grab that guy's neck and fucking kill him right and you fucking bash his face in and stuff like that and 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 brian cranston personifies that very amazingly well 
like he he always looks like he's about to step off the edge and i think you know um some of the scenes here have shown that he clearly has and the only fucking nitpicky gripe i have is he does not look like a chemistry teacher like the moment he took his shirt off yeah when 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 he fucking uh, dresses the part and then slouches, you know, just make sure he gives like an an arch back. But you know that tight tight the the first tidy whitey, <laughs> tidy Waller whitey's uh scene that he gave, it was like you could see his fucking shoulders, man. You you see his shoulders. Fi- the guy has pecs. His uh forearms and his his, his are are big as fuck. Like, and then his thighs are fucking you know not fat thick but like muscle thick and the guy has mass so what i'm trying to say i'm like this guy usually used to wrestle or something because like he is not like dad bod big he's like you know that that old uncle who can still pretty much beat you up big but yeah so a uh, fucking amazing episode it is weird to me uh because uh the character of uh aaron paul i guess the the actor's name is jesse pinkman um, because I first watched him in Bojack Horseman, um, as Todd, and just watching him from being the lovable Todd to like being this, uh, drug dealer, it is fucking weird to me. Plus, I th- I now think that the clothes they gave Todd is a callback to Jesse Pinkman's clothes, because a lot of his clothes are very, um, within the same fashion sense. I would say, <laughs> uh, to Todd, you know, like wearing a red hoodie. And and uh beanie, um, but yeah, that was a that was a nice. Uh, and then I told my friend, I was like, between Eric Andre and and Breaking Bad, it feels like I'm setting myself up back a decade <laughs> just watching those things, because I'm seeing things like fucking um hard uh keypads on a on a cell phone just seeing those things again is like oh man this this makes it feel like it's 1999 again but then i realized oh shit it was in the early 2000s but <laughs> it was just fucking weird to see those things again and uh caller ids you know th- those big machines that you see beside caller uh telephones just seeing those again and and knowing how they work and yeah it was fucking weird time is weird um but yeah i i enjoyed that i'm I'm gonna keep on watching that and uh started getting back into rocket league now um if you're not a if if you're, you're not aware of what rocket league is um it is essentially soccer but with cars with rockets on them that's why it's called rocket league and yeah it is it's fun to play um yeah, so very fun to play because you're essentially playing rock, uh, Rocket League, duh. You're essentially playing soccer, but this time you're using cars, and cars go in like one way, although you can make them jump and, and stuff like that. So a lot of it just becomes about positioning, and that's how I kind of play um, really novice players because I'm not going to say like I know how to play the game because I still definitely don't. But I guess a, a best way to approach the game is actually more like pool than actual soccer or actual uh, football, rather. Um, because 
you can barely dribble unless you're like a god or like you're you're a really good player wherein they can dribble it from like the top or like they can wait until the the ball because the ball is really big they'll wait until they can get under it and see how the game registers like when the ball touches the car in any way even when it's flat like when it's from above and it's standing towards the car there will still be some sort of like feedback to push the ball into uh, whatever direction momentum deems it, right? Um, so what what people tend to do, especially when they're on the ground, is they would position the hood of the car uh, just underneath the ball so that it would skip forward, but not so much as so that when it finally lands, it would still land on the hood of the car. You know, so they, you can dribble it like that. And if you're really good, you can actually f- fly by aiming your rockets downward and and fucking flying um through the air while hitting the ball in the same manner so i i still i still can't do that right so for me it's more about like playing pool because the thing about that is the the ball works using physics right um so it's eventually you will get the hang of of knowing when and where it will be um but new players would just tend to want to hit the ball in whatever direction. You know, they just want to fucking get the ball, right? Um, They don't really care if it's like going, you know, back to their basket or towards the enemy basket. So for me, I just like hang back and I watch where the ball is going. And when I see my shot, I would take it. So it, it it's more about, you know, pool. But everyone's trying to hit the same the same white ball to, to, to shoot the, the other guy. Yeah, it was fun, but I I I used to pl- I used to play that way back then just solo, right? Because my friends never really got into it because they were never um into sports game, but there's this one friend because it started becoming free on Epic. Um he started uh playing it. I made him download it and then since he was like a sports fan like me, um especially like with football, uh he would yeah, so so he ended up liking it and I was like, hey, nice. And then we started fucking dominating on like two V2s. <laughs> like, no joke. Um, he, I was actually glad that he picked it up so well. And uh, yeah, really fun. If you want to play with me, if I can just search for me on Steam, Kui Arnold, yeah. Um, I need to get back into Detroit uh, Beyond Human. I've started that game. I was planning on Twitch playing that game, but I just couldn't find like a consistent schedule to do it. Um, I'll try to assess that and and I'll get back into that because even though people have told me like dude it's a David Cage game which is essentially just a seal of uh, not really much as approval but rather a seal of caution because <laughs> like David Cage games always feel like um, some pretentious movie wherein it tries to teach you a message but it falls on its face because it's too in your face with the fucking message and yeah, it, it it tries to be this avant-garde thing, but it doesn't really translate well into video games. Um, but yeah, just the concept of like Detroit, uh, it it felt like that uh story in Animatrix. You know, you you're familiar with Animatrix, that cartoon version of the Matrix. You know how like in that second cartoon they talk about the fall of uh humanity and the rise of the machines, how that started and how. Uh, people essentially made robots 
just to you know use them as slaves and then eventually uh one guy killed the robot uh, uh the the master his human masters and then they all that started the whole revolution wherein the robots want independence it's a good it's a good thing if you haven't watched it yet but uh yeah so it just falls on that concept of of robot uh of the ai breaking asimov's law um of of not harming humans and it sparked the whole revolution of it so that got me interested in it and i'll i'll probably get back into it because again um one of the things that i sorry i said again because i talked about it in the last audio um but i deleted the last audio so like one of the things i like about playing games actually and and that specific type of genre is because that type hasn't really been fully you know mainstream yet it there are moments about that but there are like games that are released big ass games that are released like that but not to that degree wherein you know you get you get your your impact within the gaming world is there it is is it is left because usually games are like once you finish the story you know you you either enter this uh, limbo state wherein you can finish the the side quests but anything other than that game ends you start the new game if it has a sequel you know, they, the gamers usually, it, it is a game design problem. Like, how do you build on the improvements? Because usually by the end of the first game, you're like a fucking god with like the weapons you've gotten and, and whatever. And when you get to the next game, how do you improve from that, right? So that's why usually like in Assassin's Creed 2, you know, you, you build up this assassin empire and then in Brotherhood, that empire comes crumbling down. Um, yeah. So, so there, and uh, yeah, the fucking God of War is another example where in you know in the second God of War, Zeus stabs you with the power sucking sword, Blade of Olympus, and that was essentially it. And then in God of War three, you you fall back into Hades, and then the river drains you of the if your god powers. So it all resets back to zero, at the start of the first game, and the game that got me uh interested in in those types was uh, i would argue as like the father of it right fucking mass effect because games with choices have always existed right with with fallout and uh i don't know what else <laughs> i lost it at fucking fallout dragon age maybe but that's also bioware um mercenaries i guess but anyway, uh, so yeah, so games have always existed to, where then they give you choice that would affect the narrative, right? But it would always end there. It would always end once you finish the game. Um, Mass Effect took it into another level by having the first game influence the second game's story. That's why you had to import your save file because it takes your choices from the first game and it makes you, you know... It, it changes the, the narrative or, like, the story of, of the second game. Like, there's this one character in the first game. I'm not going to spoil it because I love that game. And I want you to play that game if you haven't played that game. Wherein the character dies. And then for the rest of the trilogy, that character is dead forever. You know? Um, and then you get characters who would take his spot in the narrative. And they would... Maybe they would do worse than what, what that character is doing. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. 
Right. Sorry, I had to fucking dip out there because uh, my girlfriend was calling me, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, because I was uh, I was actually planning something for her birthday right now. Um, because you can't, you know, you can't really eat out. Uh, we're just gonna order something, or rather, I will order something, then have it delivered to their place, so then we can have just lunch at their place. And anyway, so as I was saying, um. Yeah, it's fucking Mass Effect was the was the game that that made it, you know, for me to to actively search out for like a good narrative. Um and as well as, you know, it's it's just a concept that hasn't been fully, you know, done to death, right? Just you having a lasting impact on the game world, so to say. Um Walking Dead or rather Telltale uh kind of has that, but it's it's mostly just you know that that false um false choice wherein you think you're actually making a choice but it just circles back into this one uh point and then you get like a, a slightly different variation of that point but rather you know it doesn't impact the world as much as it should have um but yeah it was a uh, at at the end though the, the, I think that the, that's where the the game peaks. Um, just the first game, first season, and then the last one, second and and uh, the third one, quote unquote, the 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 spinoff one, is a uh, it's kind of a forgettable romp, but uh, it was a uh, it was fun nonetheless. Um, they really they really took care uh, of their the the Walking Dead title. But uh, yeah, so I gotta I gotta play that. And uh, the next thing on on uh, my backlog of games to play is uh, I think it was Final Fantasy X, X2 HD Remaster because I I really I really would like to fucking finally finish that game because I haven't the the farthest here's my here's my story right FF10 for me was the game that got away because I was so close to fucking finishing it I played the first game. And then just when I got into the point of uh, where Seymour, where you first fight Seymour, all of a sudden the game broke on me. Um, because I was using a PS2 that could play bootleg PS2 games. <laughs> so I bought a new game, um, played, and then it turned out to be the international version of the game wherein you have the different sphere grid. And it, it was essentially, uh, you, you needed a, diff- a different save file. So okay, fine, fucking play through it. And then, whatever. And then that game ended up breaking on me. Um, I can't remember which point, though. But yeah, so that game ended up breaking on me. So I I switched with a friend of mine. Um, I gave him Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. And then he gave me his original copy of uh, uh, Final Fantasy X. And I still managed to play through it until... The part wherein you would fight uh, Lady Unaleska. And, um, sorry, spoilers again for, what, more than a decade old game. But, uh, yeah, so so I got to that part and then the game fucking broke on me again. And, man, and then a friend of mine told me, oh, dude, you're, you're basically at the end. Because, like, I think the fight with Jack at the end was, like, more of, like, a a cinematic thing rather than an actual fight because it, you you it was like one of those things where you will always win so uh 
Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm fucking search for the ending on YouTube. But, you know, there's still that fucking scratching feeling, that nagging feeling behind your head. Like, you didn't actually finish the game. So I've always wanted to finish that. I go back and finish and, and play uh, Final Fantasy. And then, lo and behold, they announced the uh, HD. So I want to get back on that. And uh, Mass Effect uh, Andromeda uh, is what I wanted, wanted to play, especially right now with um, their they're thinking of like remastering the original trilogy um and i kind of want to finish the andromeda one because of uh due diligence and truth be told it was actually one of the reasons why i chose to boycott ea games from then on um because essentially they led to the death of uh bioware or rather the the mass effect uh side of bioware with andromeda like they they made them focus on anthem right the the core team they made them focus on anthem and that caused mass effect andromeda to suffer to the point where in that trilogy where when i first played it and when i first thought about it it is actually a good concept right um for another trilogy or like for another like spin-off or universe right because you probably they don't know how to follow up with what happens in the ending of Mass Effect 3. Um, so they just kind of said like, oh, you know, in the, in the events of the first trilogy, because they think that we wouldn't be able to win against the the big bad guys. So uh, we sent out this team to help us colonize another uh, universe, or like not, not really universe, but another solar system in the Andromeda galaxy. Um, I guess another galaxy would be a better term. But yeah, and and then it, it just went tits up from there. And man, fucking shame. And that got me to like boycott because that just fucking made me lose any confidence I have of of EA games, right? And then I ended up fucking buying the fucking game. Because <laughs> I wanted to see, I wanted to see if like the patches make it, patches work it. Because my opinion on the game is spent just you know knowing the background and and playing like i think i got to the desert planet no no not the desert planet the one where in um uh one of the outliers uh one of the the people who went rogue in the andromeda station they ended up making like their own colony so i'm at that point um yeah and i remember my opinion on that game is like it, it really has a fun gameplay um but then again, Mass Effect wasn't really truly just about the gameplay, right? And it annoys me, actually, now now that I think about it. It annoys me that a lot of games right now are going into this. Um, they're trying to copy Dark Souls. Because Dark Souls was such a... I would probably say like a revolutionary thing but then again it never really revolutionized everything it just took the concept of what made arcade games so fun which was in its difficulty wherein you know it it was essentially just banging your heads on the wall until you get it right um it just took that concept and then turned it into a third person action game wherein because usually you know like one of the philosophies of game designs is you have to give the power the player power right and you know, like because a lot of gaming is actually just fantasy fulfillment, right? So, would you would you rather be playing the game, you know, like 
feeling like you're you can't be able to do shit right just the frustration would uh, would end up um taking over um but then they is slowly realize it's like no you know one of the enjoyable parts of the game is actually the difficulty of it and then getting over that difficulty not so much like the babying of it right and then a lot of games fucking jumped on that trend of just making everything quote unquote very hard but technically sound right like example for like that new star wars game and the uh the what was that the assassin's creed one the assassin's creed one was fucking it is the most egregious offender because although there were you know people there were people who appreciated uh that part right of the assassin's creed but then again right these are guys you're supposed to be a fucking assassin right and then when you're fighting uh people who are like over leveled and you whiffling their their life bars down it's like that's not the usual assassin's way you know assassins are like you know when you play hitman right you just take a shot and then fucking leave it was mostly about that there's the stealth and then the mechanics and then just getting the perfect thing right and then i'm actually in the camp because there are like people who are like dude we just want to do assassin shit in, in like this particular time i actually fucking like the mythos of it like how it all ties in together you know why are the assassins fighting for what they believe in right and the uh and and i think it slowly moved out of the way to the point where in the the setting or the era where they are in just ends up become sad dressing and it falls into the same ubisoft formula of of check that box and that is is fucking annoying but anyway so it, it everything just moved into this like you know let's let's just make everything third person action and just focus more on about dodging and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't but anyway um, and then it's about becoming like life bars, getting weapons. Started slowly and slowly going into the MMO route. But yeah, it's just uh, just something that I picked up there. Um, yeah, I'm going into the 50R mark. So I guess I should do the the end end shit right now, just so I have enough time to talk about it again. Um, if you don't want me uh, pathetically looking at reddit for my questions um you can add me on twitter twitter.com slash kuya arnold message me from there if you want to ask me stuff or whatever or you could get into my email kuya a joseph at gmail.com that's k-u-y-a joseph oh wait sorry k-u-y-a a joseph so the there's two a's in the middle there um at gmail.com and then Ask me a fucking question so that I don't have to become like a fucking prick and look at uh relationship questions right here. So you might think to yourself, why relationships questions, right? Why not just, you know, general advice and stuff like that? Like you talked about, you you took like 20 minutes to talk about like, you know, looking for your value and whatever. Why not just talk about that? Well, first and foremost, because I grew up giving out relationship advice. I don't know why people would give me relationship advice. But at the same time, it is also kind of fun to see what uh, people are getting their sums into because humans, you know, they're they're not really so much concrete. Like every you, you handle everyone differently, and even then, you know, it's hard to fully anticipate what they're gonna do unless you're like a master of reading minds and and stuff like that. Um, yeah. All right. 
let's do this. A uh, few underscore salamander underscore five. So again, sorry. If you want to fucking ask me, go on twitter.com slash Kuya Arnold or go on my email. Fucking Kuya, K-U-Y-A-A Joseph at gmail.com. And your question might sound like this. Okay, so best friend 24F acting questionable towards the the, the boys I date 24F. 20, 20F. He, uh, she meant. So this is... Few salamander, few underscore salamander underscore five one eight five asks, "Hi, God damn, I'm sorry for the fucking burp. Hi, this is my first post. So don't know if I'm doing this right, but I appreciate anyone who reads. I've spent a lot of my time with this close friend of mine recently, due to us both being in our hometowns, due to the lockdown. Usually." We only see each other occasionally because we live in different cities. We've been best friends since we were 15. Oh, they're 20 now. So five years. Last year, I had an awful breakoff that knocked my confidence. I started talking to a new guy in May and actually like him, which felt really big to me. Okay. Um, Because I've been having trouble moving on from my ex, which she knows. All right. So I was really happy to actually like someone new. I realized recently that every time I've been with someone or starting seeing them extreme, she gets extremely negative once it turns serious and the ball starts rolling. An example with my ex is how she complimented him at first and said she had always liked him. Okay, they were friends before I even met him. And then, as soon as things started getting serious between us, she started becoming incredibly negative and saying she never liked him and that she wasn't a nice person, but would never elaborate on, and that he wasn't a nice person, but would never elaborate on her claims. She would post shady things about him on social media and would mock me when we, when something went wrong between me and him, and like to say that he didn't love me based on vague points, etc. It was all very demeaning and strange, but I ignored it seeing as I focused on the relationship. Fast forward to now, as as soon as I'm talking to someone new, she started doing the same thing again. But with this guy, she went as far as to say that he bullied her when we were at school together. I know for a fact that this is bullshit. He never did. He was one of the nice ones. I've noticed she can be very she can be very manipulative and does reverse psychology a lot. You know, like he bullied me, he was horrible, but you know, it's whatever. If you like him, that's fine. <sighs> Jesus, I fucking hate those things. Like if you're gonna talk shit, fucking talk shit, right? You at least have the decency to, to stand out for your shit. Anyway, she knows I'm very loyal, so I cut him off as soon as she said that. Ah, bad move, dude. Bad move. Anyway. Anyway, a couple of Months pass, I started regarding my decision as another friend of mine pointed out to me that it does. It sounds like she doesn't want me to date for whatever reason, so she tried to sabotage it. Mm. So I picked things up with him again. Now I found out that during those couple of months, she initiated flirting with him. Wow. Alright. She even thought she... Oh, wait. Even though she claimed he bullied her. Interesting, huh? Yes, very interesting. By liking lots of old pics of his, which I noticed, and she sent him a flirty, flirty drunk video of herself when we we were both out. When I called her out on it, she made it lo- sound like it was a joke. 
She didn't think I liked him anymore and acted like it was okay because I was partly in the video. But I didn't re even realize she was sending it to him until I saw her present. Then after I started talking to him again, um, she started bragging to me again in that reverse psychology way. So she makes it seem like she's not bragging. She doesn't care, but in reality she is. That he texted her a week before I started talking to him again, flirting with her, and even showed me the conversation. Wow, oh, fuck this bitch. Fuck this bitch. Whilst she did eventually tell him she didn't want anything, she wanted she didn't want to actually do anything with him. She spent a good ten minutes flirting and teasing with him with the promise of nudes before she said that to him. Dude. When I called her out again on this, she said that she had clearly rejected him and she wasn't flirting. And all of the nude stuff and teasing was just a quote-unquote joke. It feels like every time I called her out on obviously inappropriate things, being as she knows I liked him, and I had told her I was, I was going to message him again, she manages to somehow squirm out of it and then even puts it back onto me. It's so upsetting to me that you would accuse me of doing this to you. I would never flirt with him. But you just did! But you just did! Chetera. My brain just feels boggled and saddled by the whole thing. The guy doesn't even matter. It's just the fact that I feel like she acted so inappropriately and hurtfully. Any advice? Too long, didn't read. Uh, best friend initiating conversation began being suggestive with the boy I liked, but then he denies it was a flirting. Fuck that. All right? Get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of that friendship. <laughs> All right, so here's my here's my fucking guess with the, with the ex, right? With the ex that who supposedly was a bad thing for you, and then... And then he, she started. I feel like because she knew him before you started dating out, it's like she actually liked the ex. And then as soon as, uh, you know, as let's say it was like that probably, and then that's why she started saying negative things because you know the ex got with you. Um, but even if not, right? And then let's say that's not true. And then here's like option B, is that what she has with you is probably like a power thing. It was probably like oh. All right, um, you know this. This it, it. It's not so much as keeping you, but rather is that she kind of like subconsciously feels like, oh, I, people actually want me, right? People actually want to go through me, or like I can, I can, I can probably manipulate this in in a way that it goes through me, and and stuff like that, and and she probably can't catch dick on her own, so she's using you. <laughs> <laughs> but dude first thing i would probably ask is like how are you with her minus the guys right if you're if you're hanging out with her and then she's actually like an enjoyable person or whatever then i would i would probably back her off when when it's about guys right um but yeah for me it's like first you need to remove the bearing of like the best friend quote unquote uh for five years um because as I found out uh, in, in my own experience is that um, time doesn't mean shit, right? There are people who would be amazing friends with you for like a decade. 
and then all of a sudden because shit is happening in their life that are not necessarily related to yours so something could be happening with her that turns her into an evil piece of shit and then you know th- suddenly those 10 years were good but that 11th year was fucked up and that 11th year causes you to break up so for me it's like for me there there is clearly first of all there are clearly lies that is being said here so is is she really your friend if she could just fucking lie to you like that right is she really respecting the friendship that you you think that you have you know or rather the best friendship because you already have that best moniker on there um and then she tried to she tried to fucking squirm her way out of it right and for me I feel like from then on, because you you caught into it, right? You caught you caught her and you confronted her on it. It is probably a start of something toxic, because now she has that over going for you. And I told you that it was a bad move when uh, you left the relationship when when she started saying shit about the new guys, um, because then you just um, you just implanted to her the realization is that yeah. You, she does have a considerable amount of um, influence on you. So that's why she's doing that. And and, and yeah, it, it is just for the simple petty reason that maybe he she liked the guy. And then because you took her word out on it, then it clearly stuck in your head. And the fact that you're trying, the fact that you're confused right now, because if you remove the best friend label and then you tell me the story, Right. Look at it. Look at what she did, and then remove the best friend label. She's a piece of shit. Right. Remove the best friend label, and everything that you've been through. She's a piece of shit, for what she has done to you, and the fact that you are con- confused right now means that it's working. Means that what she's doing, whatever manipulation or whatever that shit, the the taking the best friend thing for granted, is working. So now you have a choice, right? If you have, that's why I'm asking, right? Is is the downtime minus the guys a good time? Because if it is, then probably you know, um, fucking talk to her. It's like I don't like, you know, I I cut it out when it comes to the dudes. All right, we could still be friends about other things, but when it's about dudes, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not gonna fucking take your word for it anymore. Or rather, and then if she throws a fucking pit fit, then good on you. Because in in what I'm thinking right now, if for whatever reason she decides to leave you, doesn't matter. It's her loss. It's her loss for her fucking loss. Um, you could always find another friend, right? Um, but yeah. Um, for me, it's like barring you know um the investment of time that that the 5 years of friendship um it is not a free pass right in fact it is for me it's it's almost as if it's another thing to be to be held against you i guess cuz it's like you know, forgive him. You've been best friends for like five years. And I'm like, yeah, we've been best friends for five years. How do you know that I don't like that shit? And how could you do that shit? Right? So for me, it's like the first 
you know, the, the guy who initiated contact receives the flagrant foul, deserves the flagrant foul, right? And then you can slap him with a, a technical or whatever, but he has to have that fucking flagrant foul. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I would have to say is like uh, the fact that she's defending it when you, when you called her out on it, it for me, it's just like get ready for a whole new level of toxic relationship once if you if you let this slide um and and whether you start being friends with her or you you continue being friends with her i would not let her near any of the guys i date and i would that would be a limit i would start limiting her to my dating life from my dating life i mean um and you know if she complains and leaves, then fucking fine. It's her loss. You're the one who's being a good friend here, not her. So you lose nothing by losing her. That's what I think. But what would I know? Because I don't, I, I don't know about you know five years of friendship. Um. So that's it. Fucking Guya's logs. Good luck. Fuse Salamander five one eight five. I will see you uh, next week. And thanks for listening. <laughs>